Tutti Toe. This is Dr. Walter Aka. And I have the pleasure of having my co-host, Dr. Kyle Dumpert. What's going on, brother? Greetings and salutations. You had to do it. <laughs> we didn't have, we I had to. We don't I have Dr. To. Dennis on today, uh, but for some reason, Dr. Dumpert thinks that he needs to you know, take place, uh, replace uh, Dr. Dennis tonight, but it's all good. So, I mean, tonight, um, you know, uh, Kyle, all we're trying to do is basically give the dentist out there an idea of what's going on. An idea of how the loan situation is happening, the small business loan. We're going to go over the ADA guideline, the CDC guideline. For you, the Pennsylvania guideline, what's going on in Texas. And then just in general, like the madness is going on with uh, dentists. And, and, you know, I've heard about dentists kind of snitching on each other, really. Uh, Sure. and, and, And I think there might be a website where you can actually report dentists that are not sticking to the the governor's uh, executive orders. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. man. Okay. Getting yeah. cut through. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, it's, you know, it's getting ridiculous out there. But, I mean, are we surprised? I, no. You know, I mean, think about <laughs> it. My, uh, my class was probably one of the most comp- you know competitive classes you'll ever see in dental school. You know, like, we literally didn't like each other. And if anybody tells you otherwise, it's BS. Class of I 2009. Mean, that, that's kind of what dental school is trained us to do is look out for yourself and you're always fighting for patients and trying to you know be top of the class and everything so they dental school kind of breeds that you know very competitive cutthroat nature right so then why all of a sudden do you think we're going to sit here and uh you know now be right. nice to each other you know yep. Uh, yep. even especially especially at a time where we're supposed to be nice but it's kind of like you know what if my office has to go and just do emergencies that doctor's office is going to do the same thing so we're all going to suffer together it's kind of right. mentality you know right right yeah i actually i i feel bad saying about this but uh i have a friend uh when when the whole department of health Pennsylvania Department of Health came out with their own guidelines and shut us down, uh, requiring the negative pressure rooms and then 95 masks and everything. There's actually an office that, you know, got the, the HEPA filter, the negative pressure room. They kind of, um, real quick did the setup for, for it. Um, and then I start seeing ads on social media. You know, other dental offices may not be able to keep you safe like we can. Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I, I'm friends with this person. And when I saw that, ad, I was like, wow, that's really, you know, throwing the rest of us under the bus when we don't even know what the, I mean, the only recommendation was a negative pressure room. It didn't say it has to be to this negative pressure uh, it has to meet these standards or anything. And so it was very vague. And to come out and say, you know, uh, other people may not be able to keep you as safe as we can because, you know, we, we've put together the absolute minimum to what we think is best for you. I, I just I that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Well, I mean, do you think that this is something that maybe their, you know, marketing uh, company that they hired told them to do? Or do you think this is kind it of could personal? Be. Yeah, you could be. I mean? Yeah, I, I like to try to think that dentists are above this, but I, I mean, I don't believe it because I know a lot of dentists and I know that, you know, I mean, I'll, people will, will go out of their way to make sure that somebody else looks bad. You know, we, yeah. we're, we're taught yeah. to basically, you know, do no harm, but we're not taught to not snitch on each other and not to make each other look bad. I mean, I've had, right. you know, uh, 
patients come to me talking about, oh, well, did this person do this right? And, did, and I'm always like, look, I wasn't there. I'm not going to pretend that right. I was there. I wasn't there. But I know other dentists that have been like, oh, man, I wouldn't have done that. That looked horrible. Da, da, da. Even mm-hmm. though you weren't there, we've all had those days where it just, Absolutely. you know, you finish the work and you're like, man, that is not my best work. You know? Absolutely. But, but I'm telling Absolutely. you, man, some, some, of these, some of us dentists are just complete assholes. <laughs> <laughs> they were literally, literally complete assholes, like the way we. They act. really are. They really are. You know, but I mean, I know that you wanted to uh, just kind of come on here, you know, real quick and just kind of give the guidelines, give the uh, what's going on with the ADA, the CDC, and and and, and uh, Pennsylvania, and just kind of go over the whole um, gambit of trying to apply for these loans and and go through all this with your assistants and your office. And, I mean, literally, all we're trying to do is survive. Right. You know, right. and I feel like you've gotten through this experience, so why not kind of, you know, you wanted to share this experience and your experience with the rest of our colleagues so that maybe they don't have to go through it exactly what you did or maybe they can actually kind of bypass the craziness that you had to go through to get sure. to a better point, you know? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we, we were all kind of taken aback by, you know, the lack of leadership kind of on all fronts because if if everybody goes back and listens to all the other podcasts what we've been talking about um it's you know, the american dental association finally came out uh what's uh april 1st with kind of a flow chart on you know what their guidance is when it comes to triaging patients for emergency versus urgent dental care um how do you screen patients for an emergency or uh, if they would have, if you suspect them of having COVID, if you don't suspect them, kind of what, what that flow chart would look like, such as, you know, does the patient have a fever? Do they have signs or symptoms of a, an acute respiratory infection? And it kind of breaks it down at, as far as um, what you should be looking at when these patients are contacting your office. Then it goes into uh, how to minimize the risk of the dentist, the staff, uh, or even other patients contracting COVID if uh, if you're going to be seeing patients in your office. And it, it's kind of an idiot-proof chart, which I, I think is what dentists were looking for as far as guidance goes. But uh, it's still, uh, you know, their their first statement is a legal statement that says, <laughs> you know, we're, this is just guidance. These are not directives. This is, this does not supersede any kind of local law. This is not uh, any legal advice whatsoever. This is just what we're advising you to do. But ultimately, Department of Health uh, and those governing bodies is what, you know, things that you should follow. Right, right. And, and it does. It's like a whole page just full of legal terms like hey you know we're just trying to lower the um the admissions or transmissions of covid uh 19 and we're just trying to help your demo team blah 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 blah. you know that's basically what the ada puts out and then they just go through this flow chart of well okay are you experienced in dental pain yes or no if you say yes then it's like uh have you had any trauma Yes or no, you know, and it just kind of goes through all mm-hmm. that, and then it gives you a list at the bottom, basically what an urgent um, pain is, you know, severe dental pain, pericornitis, or, or third molar pain, you know, basically your molars, 
you have extra gum that's just inflamed in that area, you know, uh, post-op bleeding, stuff like that, dry socket. Again, you know, it's stuff that we should know, but I guess, you know, for people to feel comfortable, they had to do this. I I mean, someone went out of their way to put this together. I I, I don't understand why anybody would want to sign up for this job, but someone (laughs) went out of their way to do it. No, I'm serious. It's like three pages, and and I look at this, and I'm like, one, I would never read this. And two, I don't need to read this because I know what a dental pain or dental emergency is. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. But one thing that I, I, I will say. The only thing that this comes in handy is for your front, de- front desk. So if they're coming to you asking, should I get this patient in? Should I get this patient in? Sure. You can just print off this flow chart and be like, here, but, stop but his- bothering me. <laughs> follow this flow chart. And, you know, you, you're, you're a human being. You can figure this part out on your own. But, okay, let's be completely honest. Do you really believe that your front <laughs> office is going to sit here and go through this flow chart? Let's be honest. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, do you really think that they, they're going to do that? Well, I, I would hope if uh, if somebody's ca- calling in with uncontrolled bleeding, that they're not going to look through this flow chart and say, "Well, have I have you had trauma? <laughs> yes. Are you in pain? No. But have you are you experiencing uncontrolled bleeding? Right. Then follow this little arrow the whole way around the page till it gets to go to the emergency department. It, it sounds. I, like I would exactly, hope that they could figure that one out. No, I, I feel like that's exactly what they're going to do, and they're going to be like, <laughs> uh, "You know what? Hold on, I'm, I, I messed up. Hold on, let me call my doctor anyway." Yeah, yeah let me put you on hold. You're gonna be you're gonna be put on hold, and the person's still bleeding, and it's, it's just it's gonna be a sad situation. I mean, I'm I'm. It's nice to see. It really was. It's very organized, but I don't believe that this is gonna make anything easier for anybody. Right. If I have to be uh, honest, you know. The the biggest takeaway that I see is uh, where they said, uh, you know, you should have N95 respirators for somebody that is. Uh, suspected or confirmed as a COVID patient, right. you you should have, uh, you need to have N95 respirators, full face shield, uh, everything along those lines, especially if you're going to do something that's ger- generating aerosols. Right. Uh, but if you don't have that, well, then you can have surgical face ma- surgical mask with a, a full face shield. That that'll that'll suffice. That puts you at moderate risk. Or if you only have, you know, your basic PPE, that puts you at moderate high risk. So it does uh, at least let you know the risk that's involved. That you know, if you're not, if you're looking at these guidelines and trying to figure out what I want to do, at least you know what kind of risk that you're putting yourself in. Which we're, I mean, we're all doctors. We should know this <laughs> stuff anyway. But is that good or bad, though? Do you think that having this list that tells you, hey, where your risk is going to be? Like, do you think that that's something that, you know, we really need? Let's be honest. Do you no. really believe? No. I no. think it's stupid. I think <laughs> it it's is. a stupid situation. I, I And I'm I'm disappointed in our profession because we needed something like this. Or at least the yeah. ADA thought we were stupid enough to, to need something like this. But, you know, right. I, I digress. Right. Uh, the one, let's talk about the, the CDC requirements. And, and the funny thing about the CDC, and I, I'm, I'm not surprised, is they really don't come to a legitimate, like, this is what you should do. Again, it's right. kind of like, a, here's a recommendation, eh, do it if you want to, you know? Right. There is right. no like, hey, you have to do this and this is what it, this is what's going to happen and this is what we recommend. And it really is just kind of like, you know, read this, read this, read this. Okay, cool. Click on this, airborne uh, precautions. You click on airborne precautions and it takes you to another list. And by the time you're all said and done, you're trying to figure out where the first list was that you needed to do anyway. Right. You know right. what I mean? So, <laughs> 
I don't know. I just I'm I'm like that's great, but this is the same uh, CDC that's going around telling people, uh, hey, you can use cloth um, mask covers, and I'm trying to figure right. out how that's going to protect anybody. Right. Yeah. I I completely agree. I you don't know, get the- it. I really don't get it at all. Like I see people with making their own cloth, and I, my wife was telling me that uh, she knows somebody who's selling uh, cloth um, mask online for fifteen dollars mm-hmm. a mask. Yeah. Fifteen dollars oh, yeah. a mask for something that's not going to help you. I was yep. like, man, that better be. I mean, if maybe if it was like a, you know, a Philadelphia Eagles mask or something, like, <laughs> <laughs> I might buy I it. I tell you, this is the first time uh, going into Walmart in my area, and you have half the people walking around with, you know, beanies and bandanas covering their <laughs> face, and all you see are their eyes, and. I'm the one that's feeling uncomfortable because I don't have that bandana on my face. I think this is the first time in history that it's been flipped around that way. You better, you better start, you know, covering your your face, man. So, so here's something that I I found out, or I actually heard, and I'm not sure. I had to look into it more. But they're talking about starting to fine people if, um, huh? yeah, if they don't cover their face, which to me sounds ridiculous. To be honest with yeah. you, I don't see why you want to take it to that level you know what i mean because it's you, you one the cdc hasn't said this is uh mandated this is something that you really need to do everywhere well i i think it comes back to that point where they're they're trying to uh, make policy that is not based in science it's based on what people's feelings are right. and what what they might think but that you know if if I'm going to be fine because I don't have a bandana cover in my mouth because I can't find, you know, surgical masks anywhere. Well, look at the research. That's not going to do anything to protect anybody. No, I agree. That that whole policy is based on what people think and feel and not based on science, which is, you know, when you're dealing with a, a virus like this, you need to look at the science of it. Well, not everybody's doing that either. You know what I mean? Like, right. Do you think so? So you're basically saying that they're just saying this just to make people feel comfortable. Like, I think oh, so, okay, yeah. now you have something to protect you too. I, in my head, uh, my own thought process is if this is spreading by respiratory droplets uh, and they're trying to contain the spread of it, that mask or that bandana or that cloth um, cloth mask is going to do nothing to protect you, right. but if you have, if it's going to do something to protect the other people. So exactly. the mask protects everybody else except the person wearing it. So it reduces that six feet or the thirteen feet or whatever number that <laughs> well, is in the news today, yeah. and uh, it, it prevents those droplets from going further than that whatever distance. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's good if everybody wears a mask just to, you know, prevent those aerosols from going, but it, it's going to do nothing to prevent, protect you, especially when people are wearing it down underneath their nose or down, you know, they're, they're co- consistently touching it, infecting their hands with gloves. And then they're wearing a, a set of gloves all over the store and Touching everything, oh. thinking it's protected. I, I think, uh, don't get me especially started, with man. the gloves. Oh, the gloves piss me off. I see people literally yeah. touching everything, their door yeah. handles, everything, and I'm like, you do realize that you you're literally doing nothing. Yeah, you know, you're literally doing nothing. And I saw a picture of a guy that took off his gloves and put it in his mouth so he can yeah. like use his phone. And I was like, you're just a jerk. You're just an idiot. Yeah. And I, you know, ugh. 
Anyway, so let's let's talk about something that you brought to my attention, and I had no idea this was happening. Uh, what Pennsylvania was talking about potentially doing with uh, PPEs uh, outside of uh, hospitals. Okay, so this was again something that uh, kind of slid under the radar that uh, hasn't really gotten a whole lot of, of news, and I, I contacted the local news about it, but um, this was what on April eighth, so just you know last week, mm-hmm. the governor of uh, Pennsylvania, Governor Wolf, and the PA Department of Health signed an order that said. All public and private health care uh, providers, uh, let's see, uh, let me pull up the, the exact wording here. Uh, so, Rick, uh, hold on one second. Other. So, all private, public, quasi-public healthcare providers and facilities, as well as manufacturers and suppliers of PPE, pharmaceuticals, and other medical resources located within the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Basically, you have to submit an inventory, a current inventory of everything you have in your possession, and submit that to the state, and that gives, um, then allows them to come and commandeer your PPE and redistribute it throughout the state wherever they think the need is uh, the highest. So on one hand, uh, there's a problem with the states right now. They're all one line bidding against each other for PPE to try and keep the hospitals uh, equipped with what they need. So Mm -hmm. I I completely understand what you're, they're trying to keep the hospital safe, the frontline workers safe, but to, Go after private healthcare offices, uh, especially dentists, where if I, you know, have a nice little stock and I'm able to see my own emergencies and then government's going to come in and tell me, I'm going to take this from you and I'm not going to give it back until, you know, wherever you are on the hierarchy of important people in healthcare, uh, which they they've made pretty well known that dentistry isn't real high on their list of yeah, we're, we're pretty having much people bottom. be seen. Yeah. And to to come and say that they can take our stuff and then to kind of rub salt in the wound, they said, Well, we're gonna pay you for it the fair market price, but the fair market price is based on prices prior to March sixth, whenever you know it there was still no wasn't need. Yeah. too difficult. <laughs> where Prices now, I mean, if I tried to buy a box of masks anywhere, I'm going to be paying out the nose for them. Oh, for sure. But so, so for government to come in, take my stuff, say you can continue to see emergencies, but we're taking all your equipment, and then I have to rely on them to give me that equipment back because it's not going to be easy to buy any of this PPE stuff for probably months. Right. So that... If they take my stuff, I'm effectively shut down for months and months and just relying on the government to to give me PPE back, which they'll probably charge me at that point for, right. the, you know, the new pandemic pricing right. and not that pre-March 6th pricing, too. Right. It, you know, and, and I talked to um, a mentor of mine today and I brought up that sit- the same situation you brought up. He said he's never I mean, he's been, he was working during the whole AIDS, you know, pandemic and he was working uh 
and he knows dentists that were working during like World War Two. He said that's never happened. They've never just gone in and said, I'm going to take stuff from private yeah. companies, you know, small yeah. businesses. They've never done that. So he was like, I didn't even think that that was even legal. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but it sounds like it's not. It sounds like something not, that, I, I mean, you know, my like, understanding for the, the Fourth Amendment is no illegal searches and seizures of, you know, property. And, yeah, in my mind, that is seizing my private property paid true. for. And you turning Pennsylvania into a, a socialist state where you're redistributing the, the wealth of PPE to the people that you think need it the most. And I, I've never trusted government to look out for my best interest. Right. And uh, I small town, rural Pennsylvania dental office. I just don't see me ranking real high on their important people list. Well, I mean, and you're saying that it, this is happening in other states, too, correct? Yes. So uh, I found out Washington, state of Washington and New Jersey have both passed similar orders. As far as I've heard, uh, there haven't been any confiscation of PE, PPE from private offices, but just giving the government the, you know, the, the ability to do that, I think sets a pretty bad precedent. I agree. I completely agree. Well, let's talk about, um, the whole uh, small business loan, because I think did you 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 went through it right? You went and actually applied yes. for it and everything, you yes. know. And and before you begin on this, I've talked to other people and I've seen on like dental groups on Facebook how obnoxious this has become and how confused bankers have even become about this whole thing, right? From what I was, right. from what I read, uh, they didn't even have the guidelines until the night before it became it went live. So that Thursday night is when the banks actually got their guidelines. And it was like some 27 pages or something like that of guidelines on how to actually apply for this and how to, like, you know, prompt patients or people to actually go through this. Uh, so, one, we already started behind the eight ball. And then on top of that, um, once you actually go, I've heard rumors and I've heard people talk about how, you know, banks are saying, well, you know, the big ones, right? Bank of America, Wells Fargo and everybody are basically saying that we're going to give you the small business loan, but you have to have private um, loans with us. So maybe you went through them to get your house loan or you borrowed money for your car loan or whatever it may be. You have to have something private in order for them to establish, uh, I guess, a loan credit or I don't know what it is, right. loan history, yep. which to me makes no sense because if I have a business account with you, that's <clears throat> that's an account, that's credit. You see what I, I generate. You see my ability to borrow. So why are you doing extra? But please right. tell us your story and what's been going on. So the the first loan that became available to apply for is the EIDL loan, E-I-D-L, Economic Injury Master Loan, which that one was, uh, you get up to $2 million for uh, your business to meet financial obligations, operating expenses you can't meet because of COVID-19. And when you apply for this loan, you could, when it originally came out, they said you would get a guaranteed $10,000 or the initial $10,000 would be a grant that uh, whether you get approved for the loan or you get denied for the loan, you get 
$10,000 guaranteed uh, that you can, as a grant, you don't have to pay it back and you can do whatever you want with that money. Okay. And then when you, if you were to get a, a, approved for that loan, <clears throat> then like I said, you, you can use that money for, you know, whatever you want. And uh, the terms are it would turn into a 3.75% interest loan over a 30-year period. So it's it's really good terms for that. Right. And then, so it started out as a paper application. And then finally, the, the SBA got their website up and running where I went on and applied. And it took literally like five or 10 minutes to apply. And it was supposed to be, you know, you apply for this loan three days later you should have the $10,000 in your bank account. Well, then it turned into uh, where we'll give you up to $10,000 and it's going to be based on the number of employees that you have. So if you have, you get $1,000 per employee up to $10,000 for this initial amount as a grant. So you need 10 so employees they, to get the full amount. Right. And so they changed the rules on us there. And then they came and, uh, they changed the rules that originally you apply for the idle loan, you get the idle loan, and then you could roll it into the, the other loan, the, the PPP, the payroll protection program. They changed the rules that said hey, you can't do that. If you apply for the idle loan, you cannot apply for the other loan, the PPP loan. And then they came back and canceled that and said, okay, well, you can, you can still apply for both of them. And, uh, they're still, I, I don't think anybody has gotten this $10,000 because instead of getting that money within three days of when you applied, then it turned into, well, you have to wait till you're approved or denied and then you'll get it, which I don't know how many millions of businesses applied for this thing, but um, it's now they're saying it's going to be, you know, weeks and weeks, maybe a month or two before you get a phone call to see if you were approved or denied, and then you'll get your $10,000. So there's a big lag on what they were originally saying with this first loan, the idle loan. You, you know what, um, the Dumper, this is the part that kind of kills me, and, and this is me ranting. So let me, you know, let me just preface it by saying that, so forgive me if I get, I get too angry. Uh, but I wonder if these big companies, you know, the airlines, the, the big, you know, multi-billion dollar hotel chains and stuff have to go through what we're going through, right? Like, I wonder if they're, you know, 500 million that, no, I'm sorry, 500 billion that they were promised, which is, again, twice as much as the 250 billion that the small businesses are getting, okay? Mm -hmm. So start off with right there. Uh, Boeing by itself is getting about $200 billion. So right. I wonder if they have to go through all the garbage that we're going through just to try to get 10,000. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Not, exactly. not billions, but 10,000. Well, the, here, here comes my next rant. Oh, and please. This is, this is on the payroll protection program. The loan. PPP. And again, this is the PPP. This is, this is the worst thing to do when you're podcasting just to sit here and pop. <laughs> <laughs> the PPP. Go the, ahead. This one. <clears throat> is the idea which i originally i agreed with the idea of this loan it's to get people off of unemployment and get them back on payroll because businesses had had shut down they laid everybody off that gets pushed on to unemployment and to protect the people 
the 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 CARES Act, where all this came, all these loans come out of, was uh, we're gonna people can apply for their unemployment, and then we're gonna give people an extra six hundred dollars, I believe, a week on top of what they would normally get for unemployment. So instead of having the unemployment insurance pay for all this, all these people that are have now lost their jobs, they came out with this payroll protection program. And this is where the business has to go in, apply for the loan, and you can get up to $10 million. If you, once you get that money, you have eight weeks to spend it. And the eight weeks, if you spend 75% of it on payroll and 25, the other 25% can go toward things like rent or mortgage or, uh, business loan interest, things along those lines. Uh, if you spend it on those guidelines, then whatever you spend it on can will be forgiven, which sounds like a great idea. I can pay my employees, they'll get off unemployment, and then the government's going to forgive this loan. Any money that I didn't spend according to those guidelines turns into a, a um, 1% interest rate that has to be paid back over two years. Beautiful. But the, the problem I have with this and, and the, the whole idea is we want to get people off of unemployment where dentists that are getting these loans right now, they're calling, trying to call back their employees back to work saying, Hey, the office isn't open, but I'm going to put you back on payroll. I'm trying to be a good boss. I'm trying to look out for you. And the staff are saying, I don't want to be put back on payroll. I'm making more on unemployment now because of this extra $600 on top of the regular unemployment benefits. Uh, if I get put back on payroll, I'm making less money. True. So there, there's no incentive for the employee to come back to get put back on payroll. And if the whole idea was to keep people, uh, getting money into their bank accounts. I have a real problem with the government trying to funnel it through the employer and saying, employer, we're going to give you this money and you have to prove to us that you're spending it the way we want you to spend it or else it's we're not going to forgive it and it's going to turn into a loan for you. So you could potentially pay your, your whole staff the whole payroll for eight weeks. And if you, if we don't think you meet our guidelines or you can't produce the right paperwork, then however much you just spent thinking it's going to get forgiven, well, it's not going to get forgiven now. So it's putting a lot of trust back in the government to come back and say, you know, we're, we're going to forgive this loan or we're not going to forgive this loan. And if they decide not to, if they keep changing the rules, then it's going to turn into an even bigger you know, uh, deficit for businesses to try and make up eight weeks worth of payroll where they weren't able to be opened. Right. And, and, you know, let's just assume that you'd get this loan and, you know, God forbid your, your business still ends up going out of, out of business. Right. right. And you, now are you basically taking on this loan? Now you have to pay it back without a business. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no personal guarantees. There's no, uh, like you don't have to put up yeah. any collateral or anything for this loan. So I don't know what, uh, the penalties are, but 
the uh, the other problem. So I, I applied for both of these loans, okay. and I should my approval for the the PPP loan should be coming according to the government this week sometime. Okay. At this point, uh, I'm probably going to turn the loan down and not take it because now I'm seeing uh, like Bank of America, they have in their final paperwork for you to sign that uh, it says borrower will use the funds of the loan to retain at least 90% of its workforce at full compensation and benefits until September 30th, 2020. Okay. So say you get the loan, you pay their payroll for eight weeks, and you're still not allowed to go back to business as normal if the restrictions are still there. Uh, say we can't go back to business until July 1st. Well, according to these underwriting guidelines, if I take this loan out and I pay somebody for eight weeks, and then I still can't open my business, I then have to decide I have to keep these people on payroll to at least September 30th for this loan to be forgiven. So I'm potentially continuing to pay them even though the office is closed just to get that eight weeks of stuff forgiven. Right. Or do, do I not take the money at all, let them stay on unemployment, which is my thought process because – it sounds better. I'm not you. taking out a loan. Right. Let them stay on unemployment. Let them make more money. And it's no risk to me because I'm not taking out any loans against it. And like I said, I, I think it's a good idea to try and keep paying the American people. But I don't like how they're trying to funnel it through the individual small business and put the burden of proving this is where he's going Uh don't put that on the small business. Just send out these checks to the the American people yeah, if you want to do it that way. Right. Huh. That's my that's my rant. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. No, I mean this is good to know, right? Because not everybody is at the same uh, stage, you know. So maybe somebody's listening might say, "Okay, well, I was going to do this, but now based on everything that I just heard, I might go another route." And I, I, I mean, right. I completely agree with you. I don't see the benefit of putting all this liability on yourself whenever um, you have the government that's basically kind of saying, hey, it's not worth it for you to do that. It doesn't make any right. sense. You know what I mean? So and, why would I do that? And they're not, you know, they keep changing the rules on us, and the banks still have no idea. I, I'm in constant contact with my banker saying, hey, th does you know PNC Bank have any of these, you know, uh, dates in it that I have to keep people employed until to be forgiven. And he said, I, I have no idea. I haven't seen any of them yet, but I would think those guidelines should come from the Small Business Administration. Each bank shouldn't be able to put their own stuff in there because it's all government money. Why, do, why would the bank care if I have to keep people employed past the eight weeks right and i so mean it, yeah. it's just nobody knows what's going on you know to be honest with you i feel like the only people that are winning are the banks because I, from what i've also read they get about a five percent kind of cut for doing this you know yeah. so let's just say yeah. that the banks have to distribute i don't know 600 billion dollars they get 30 billion dollars just off of mm -hmm. um 
you know, fees that they, they, they charge the government. So the only person that's really winning is the, is the bank again. Wow. You know, so Isn't to, that how it always is? Yeah, back to 2008, <laughs> 2009 all over again. But yeah, what do I know? Yeah. I'm going to just sit yeah. my ass. I'm just going to sit my ass at home and just, you know, <laughs> pretend that this is not <laughs> happening until I get back to work. It, it just makes no sense. Who knew spending two trillion dollars would be so complicated, right? <laughs> they didn't make they made it seem like it was going to be fabulous and wonderful. Yeah, best thing yeah. that we were ever going to do, and it's going to stimulate the economy, and no one has to worry about it. It's more stress actually dealing with this, and then yeah. so much uncertainty, like two hundred two two point three trillion dollars, and we still have no idea what's happening. Everybody's still sitting at home, going, "I wonder if I'm going to get this. I wonder if I'm going to get that." You know, I feel yeah. like just the unknown is more stressful than 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 anything else, right? The unknown the, of of the COVID nineteen. Then the unknown 19. of what this is going to do to the country moving forward. What oh. kind of? I mean, we're already at what seventeen, eighteen trillion dollar deficit or or debt. Throw another two trillion on top of that, and oh, we're you know, yeah. I'm not even. I don't even think people even care about the amount of uh the def- the deficit of the US anymore. I really it used to be something people cared about. They got away from that. I don't think they care anymore. I don't know, man. It's uh you know, we're inching closer and closer to the whole financial meltdown that Greece and all those other countries went right. through with hyperinflation and yes. out of control debt and yeah. it's you start thinking about these things and it really really scares you. You know what though? I, I, let me just put it this way, right? I'm not an economist. I don't want to be an economist. I just want to get my loan. I just want to get my loan. That's literally, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm not worried about this anymore. I just want to get my loans and just get this over with. People stay at home, you know, so that we don't have to deal with all this crap. And if you are truly having a dental emergency, you know, please come in. We are available to support and help. Uh, without guidelines, really, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> you know, every every dentist will hopefully make the right decision. Stop snitching on each other, dentists. Uh, and yeah. and honestly, let's just let's just get through this together because in the end, it really is. This all sucks for everybody. I don't care who you are. It sucks for everybody. Let's just get uh, back to work. Let's get back to enjoying life like we were doing. Let's get back to watching sports. Let's get back to, you know what I mean? Just just being yeah. able to just live life. I really, that's all I want. That's really all yeah. I want. I don't care anymore. Right. I just want to get back, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. telling you, man. It's just crazy. People are, you know, I have, you know, people talking about, man, I went to school for so many years just so I can collect unemployment. No one is excited <laughs> to collect unemployment. As much as you pay into unemployment, you know, as a small business owner and stuff like that, no one really wants to sit there and go, yep, I collected unemployment. I'm very happy about that. You know what I mean? Nope. But nope. Uh, anyway, let's get off our stools here. Uh, you know, <laughs> Dr. Dumper, well, appreciate Thank you for letting me vent. Oh, man. Uh, very, this, very therapeutic session. To- yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, this is this is this is it right here. This is what I I do. There be some time. I mean, if you go back, you just hear me just rant on stuff, and my wife just looks at me like I'm crazy, and I'm like, no, I'll, I'm just tired of this crap. I just want to talk about it. You know? It really feels it, it feels good. It really feels good. So whenever you're, whenever you're ready for it again, just let me know, man. All right, sounds good. All right, brother, we'll talk soon. All right, all right, later. All right. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.